Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. We're, um, we're going to continue talking about people. You got to love them. People, you got to love them. You got to love them. You don't have a choice. And today we're going to talk about marriages. Last week, if you weren't here, we talked about parenting and kids. And today we're going to talk about marriages. And uh, next week as well, the Spirit of God has already put something on my heart for next week. And next week, I really believe that, um, I actually really believe the Spirit of God wants to break some things off of people next Sunday that they've been carrying around for far too long. We're going to talk about loving yourself and loving others. And so uh, you need to be here for that. You need to be here next Sunday, just like you need to be at church every Sunday. But next Sunday, I believe the Spirit of God really wants to do a work in some of our hearts and our lives, or maybe we don't really love ourselves for whatever reason. I'm not going to preach the message right now, but you need to be here next week, and uh, we're going to talk about that. But today, we're going to talk about marriages. Marriage. 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 Who's seen The Princess Bride? Some of you Marriage is what brings us together. That's what we're going <laughs> to... True story, when we got married a thousand years ago, when we got married, we get to the altar, and my dad actually said, marriage. You don't, you don't remember that? He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And it was. I thought it was funny as well. But today we're talking about marriage. Pastor Jen has a joke she wants to start with. I love how you have to, like, plan the joke moment. It makes it, like, so much less funny. And I don't, I think everyone's like, she's going to tell a joke? She's get, not funny. Get ready. Five years, it's my first joke. <laughs> the first, the first uh, service liked it. Okay, you ready? Uh, <laughs> I might be laughing at my own joke, though, and I'm okay with it because it's still funny. A husband and wife had been married for 60 years and had no secrets except for one. The woman kept in her closet a shoebox that she forbade her husband from ever opening. But when she was on her deathbed... Um, And with her blessing, he opened the box and found a crocheted doll and $95,000 in cash. My mother told me that the secret to a happy marriage was never to argue, she explained. Instead, I should keep quiet and crochet a doll. Her husband was touched. Only one doll was in the box. That meant she'd only been angry with him one time in in their 60 years of marriage. And he said, but what about all this money, he asked. She said, oh, that's the money I made from selling all the dolls. See here, as the yeah. husband, as a man, I'd be like, why didn't you bring that money in while we were living? We could have used it for something. Uh, I want to pray for a moment just together, and then we'll jump into the message. Uh, guys, real, real talk, the first, sto- the first service, like, it just did not go anywhere near what our notes had. And so I really don't know how this service is going to go, and I just want to make sure we pray, and we're all ready for whatever God wants to say and do, and that our hearts are open. So, Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Um, Father, we just say, say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. God, I ask that you put your words and thoughts in both mine and Jen's heart so that we say what you want us to say. And Father, I ask that our hearts are open to receive life, that our ears are open to hear your words, and that our eyes are open to see truth found in your scriptures together. Father, say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. This is your church. This is your house. Have your way. We're here. We're listening. And all we want is to be molded and shaped more into your image. We love you. All together we said, amen. amen. Yes. Uh, the Spirit of God gave me a word, I felt, for um, some of you that are in waiting. You're in your season of waiting. I think we could all say we're in a season of waiting on some level. But 
The Lord has this scripture for you, Job 23, 8 to 14. Look, this is Job talking to the Lord, okay? He said, look, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth uh, more than my necessary food. But he is unique in who can make him change. And whatever his soul desires and that he does. This is the word for you. For he performs what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Amen. You are on the heart and mind of God, and not for one moment is God not thinking about you. Not for one moment does your creator have second best for you. But Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. While you're in waiting, he's praying for you. But this is, this is some words for you. Worship while you wait. Okay? And say that again. Worship. Say Worship. While you wait, say, I'm going to worship while I wait. Waiting isn't wasted time, it's preparation time, okay? Girls, hide yourself in Christ. I'm going to say that again to the girls. Hide yourself in Christ so you're confident when the guy comes along, it took him going into Christ to find you. Say that again. Girls, hide yourself in Christ so you're confident with the one that God brings your way that because he has had to hide himself to find you. Amen? That God doesn't have anyone for you, but he has someone tailor fit for you. And just to know that you're in good company in the Bible for people who waited on the promises of God. Hannah, she waited 19 years. Joseph, 13 years. Abraham, 25 years. Moses, 40 years. Jesus, if you want to think about, you know, for his ministry, 30 years. So you're in, com- you're in good company. We're all in good company if we're in a season of waiting. It would seem like that God is always going to have us in some place of our life in a season of waiting so that his love um, and his life can be perfected in us and through us. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about marriage. If you're not married yet, that doesn't mean you get to close your eyes and take a nap. It means you need to pay all the more attention because there's things that you need to know for your future. If you are married right now, that's great. Open your ears, listen, nudge your spouse so that they're like, you need to hear this, pay attention. This is, this is I wrote them, and they're talking about marriage for you today, so please pay attention. There's something for everybody, and I think we can all agree that um, we've been talking about, last week we talked about parenting, this week we're talking about marriage. I think we could all agree that the family unit as a whole is under attack from the enemy, uh, from the enemy right? Uh, the enemy would love nothing more to just completely obliterate the family model, to destroy what marriage looks like, what marriage is in the word of God. He would love to obliterate um, godly children and raising godly offspring. He would love to destroy that entire model so that a whole generation grows up having no idea what real healthy love and marriage looks like. They have no idea how to model that for somebody else. They have no idea how to raise godly offspring and children and so that we raise up a generation of kids who are confused and frustrated and angry. And so we need to talk about these things so that we can look into the word of God together and find out how to be husbands, how to be wives, how to be parents. Amen? Now listen, I heard you all cheering for Mike when he was talking about his stories, so I expect to hear you cheering this morning as well. You're not getting off the hook that easy. Cam, if nobody else cheers, I want to hear you hooting and hollering. There you go. A little more enthusiastic. Try it again. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) All right. 
So I asked myself first and foremost, I says to myself, what's marriage? Just like last week, I says to myself, what's, what's parenting? So I said, what's marriage? And so I went back to the old dictionary and looked up the word marriage to find out exactly what the dictionary says. Good old Miriam Wester says about marriage. Well, she lets us down. She doesn't. So here's what marriage is in the dictionary. Uh, the state of being united as spouses in consensual and contractual relationship recognized by law. Boo! This is a bad definition. This is, this is the bare minimum of a definition. This is like last year when we looked up the word, or last week when we looked up the word parenting and it said parenting was raising children. Boo! It's, it's falling adequately or, or it's falling short. We need to look at a good dictionary, our favorite dictionary, a dictionary that's 200 years old. Perhaps you've heard of it, Noah Webster. And we're going to look at his definition of what marriage is together. And it says this. The act of uniting a man and a woman for life. For life. Man and woman for life. Wedlock, the legal union of a man and woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them, all right? It's not, it's not a like, hey, we're going to try this and see how it works out. Right here, 200 years ago, the definition of marriage was you're stuck together until you die, till death shall separate them. Marriage, hang on now, was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes, for promoting domestic felicity, which just means happy homes, and securing the maintenance and education of children. Now this is a definition of marriage. That's a good definition, isn't it? Do you want to say anything about that definition? And so I want to, we, I think we can, let, let me ask you this first. Last week we had participation time. Who was here last week? And we had participation time. We're going to have participation time again this week because it's good. Now, listen, here's what I noticed in the first service. Last week, because we were talking about kids and there was no kids in the room, everybody freely like, oh, yeah, parenting is the worst. It's a nightmare. It's terrible. My kids are animals. Everybody shouted out. But in the 9 o'clock service, when I said, we're going to say marriage is, and you get to answer with the first thing that comes out of your mind. In the 9 o'clock service, here's what really happened. It was like an audible mumble. Everybody was like, marriage is, and everybody literally went, and it was much softer than the answers were last week. And I think because most people, your spouse is sitting right beside you, or they're in the same room, and you're afraid they're going to hear your response, and so they just don't want to say out loud. So we're going to say, on the count of three, we're going to put up on the screen, and I want to hear everybody, let's put the nine o'clock service to shame, and just say, again, I don't want the Christian response, I don't want the Jesus response, I want truly the first answer that comes to your mind out loud so we can all hear it together. On the count of three, one, two, three. Marriage is. <laughs> what did you say? Exhausting. <laughs> marriage is exhausting. Did anybody say marriage was hard work? Put up your hands if you said marriage was hard work. Who said marriage was fun? <laughs> it's wild. One hand went up. <laughs> what did you say marriage was? Wild. Mar that's a good definition. Yeah, wild can be like wild good, wild bad, extraordinary. Yeah, marriage is a lot of work. And in fact, um, I was thinking about this yesterday. 
on our honeymoon, when me and Jen got married, here's a true story, guys. We got married literally. This is an exaggeration. Yeah, this is an exaggeration. We got married three weeks after I turned 20 years old. Uh, that's because my dad said, you, you can't be, you have to be 20 to get married. And so somebody else in our church got married the first Saturday after I turned 20. So that one was out. And then something was happening the following Saturday. So three Saturdays after I turned 20, we got married. This was in 1997. And we went on Southern California uh, for our honeymoon. Now, it was awesome. But here's the thing. Uh, because I was 20 and Jen was 21, that's right, Jen's an older woman. Um, <laughs> Uh, we couldn't rent a car because we were so young. So we drove my parents' car down to California on our honeymoon. Nothing says married and living on your own like bearing, <laughs> borrowing your parents' vehicle to go on a, on a honeymoon. And so we drove their car down to California. And guys, this was in 1997. So this was before Google Maps. This was before like, you know, Street View and like traffic updates. We literally drove to California with Rand McNally. Do you guys know who Rand McNally is? Put your hands up if you know who Rand McNally is. Rand McNally published roadmaps, the big ones you see where you had to pull out and look and trace with your finger along the map to find out. That's how we got down to California. And so honestly, on our honeymoon, we had one of the worst fights of our life. Do you remember this? Um, I guess it was up there with New Jersey. Yes. They were, <laughs> yes, actually, they were, both times, both two, two terrible arguments and fights we had involved was driving and traffic. One was in New Jersey, one was in California. The one in California, there was literally nothing. There was no way of knowing what to do. We couldn't have figured this out. There was no Google Maps. We were just driving, and all of a sudden, you're L.A., stuck in gridlock traffic. Somehow, men, this was my fault. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how I could have avoided it. I don't know how I could have chose a better road from looking at a map on a piece of paper. All I saw was a route. A route. And so we took it, and we had a terrible fight. We also had a terrible fight at the New Jersey airport trying to leave there. Yeah, that was Tom Tom's fault, though. Brad McNally was gone. All that to say, I get it. Marriage is hard. We all understand marriage is hard. And I actually want to, before we jump into this, I want to just jump off from something the Spirit of God said at the end of the last service. Is that okay? Marriage is hard, exhausting, tiring. Marriage is work. Uh, marriage can be fun. Marriage can be great. But I think if we're real for a moment, marriage can be a lot of other things. Marriage is crushing. Marriage is pressing. Marriage is, literally, guys, it is the taking of two complete individuals. Jen is her own person. I am my own. Me and Jen could not be further from difference. <laughs> you know I just mean, honestly, guys, in every way, in every way, we're different people. Even when it comes, even when it comes to music, Jen is like, she plays the piano and she just makes it up as she goes and she flows and she can hear a song and she's like the human jukebox and she can just turn around and play it again. I, when I play guitar, like, don't tell me to play something on the spot. I've got to, like, learn it. I will learn the snot out of it, and I'll play it note for note, but I have to learn it. We're just very different people. And so at the end of last service, we got all the way through the last service, and we were worshiping for a moment, and the Spirit of God said something to me that I want to share with you all just for a moment, and that's in the book of Mark. And we're talking about marriage being hard for just a moment. Statistics Canada tells us that, I looked, at the, I looked this up, Stats Canada says, still 50% of marriages will fail. They'll end in divorce. 
Second time marriages, it's 60% will fail. Third time marriage, it's 70%. We understand you're literally taking two completely different people, trying to put them together and make them into one person, one, one marriage, one union, one relationship. And can we all agree that's a lot of work? It's a lot of hard, hard times, a lot of conversations. And at times, it can feel almost impossible and overwhelming. Can't it? Let's just be real this morning, okay? Like, I'm, ta- I'm being real. I'm telling you about my nightmare honeymoon driving story where it was hard, right? It was a hard work, hard situation. And I want to tell you what the Spirit of God said to tell the people in the first service. And I want to tell you this at the get-go of this service. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, this is the story of a man who brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples. In chapter 6 of Mark chapter 9, or of Mark's gospel, Jesus had sent the disciples out and empowered them to go and do miracles in his name. And so Jesus is off somewhere doing something on his own, and this man brings his possessed boy to his disciples to have him set free and to heal. And the disciples can't do it. They can't cast the demon out. Jesus shows up in the middle of this conversation. He says, what's happening? What's going on? And the man begins to talk, and he says, well, I brought, I brought my son to your disciples to heal them, and they couldn't heal him. Jesus says, what's going on? He says, well, whenever there is just this, this spirit comes on him, and if there's water close by or there's a fire close by, the spirit possesses them and comes on him and tries to throw him in the water, tries to throw him in the fire, tries to destroy him and tries to kill him. I brought him to your disciples. Your disciples couldn't heal him. But he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, Amen. can you heal him? And Jesus And verse 23 says, what do you mean if I can? And he says, anything is possible if a person believes. And what I want to say to you this morning is, is even though we're good Bible-believing Christians and we're trusting in Jesus, there are going to be people in this very room who feel like their marriage is impossible, that it is broken, that it's in shambles, that maybe your marriage, like, listen, this guy had a, a possessed child, and that Bible says that he had been, Jesus asked, how long has this been going on? And he says, since he was a little boy. So it had been going on for a long time, and this man had been trying to deal with it, and he was trying to find a way to fix it, and he couldn't find a way to fix it, and so he'd been struggling with this, and he'd been dealing with this, trying to, trying to get it fixed, but never really getting it fixed, always trying to muddle through. There can be people here in this room who feel like their marriage is like that, like you're always working on it, and you're always struggling with it, and one day seems good, and then suddenly out of the blue, somebody seems possessed and goes crazy, and, and you don't, you're not sure what's happening, and, and you want to throw them in the fire, or you want to throw them in the water. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, is you're struggling with it. And they, this man brought his child to Jesus and said, if you can do anything, help me. Jesus says, if, if I can do anything, anything is possible to those who believe. And what I want to say to you by the Spirit of God today is that maybe your marriage is in that place where you're struggling and you feel like it's never going to get better. And no matter what you do, no matter, no matter how one day it looks okay and the next day it's absolute nightmare, no matter what you look like, Jesus is saying to us today, anything is possible if you believe. And so the man immediately cries out. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief it doesn't matter what your what your marriage looks like in the natural if you keep looking at Jesus if you keep running to Jesus in the middle of the possessions for lack of a better term if you keep 
I'm not saying the spouses are possessed. You know what I'm saying. I'm using it as an analogy. Just to be clear, don't send me an email later. You said my spouse was possessed and she's offended. Or he's offended. He's a crazy man. He's a lunatic. I think, I think, I think that's funnier than anybody else. <laughs> if you will run to Jesus, Jesus says to you today, anything is possible if you believe in me. Put your, uh, please, yes. Yeah, so with Merriam-Webster, you're talking about, or it was talking about, not you, but it was a contract. But when Jake and I said I do on, can you hold my hand for a second, on September 13th, 1997, that wasn't just a contract that we signed a license in the, whatever that was back then, the driver's, whatever. We got our marriage license. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a covenant that we made before God. It was a covenant we made with God and with one another before our family, before our church, before people we loved. And if we had just made a con, if we had just signed a contract, we would not be standing in or sitting in front of you today. But it was a covenant. See, and the thing about covenant is that, see, Jake's over there, I'm over here, and our hands are joined, you know, and we could be joining hands in a, with a contract, I guess. But because we're joining hands, you know, a, co- a covenant puts Jesus in the middle. That's right right? Puts Jesus in the center. So in your hardest moments, because you have, you have made a covenant and not just signed a contract. Are you okay? Yeah, it's just okay. Okay. So when you're in your hardest moments, because you have made a covenant and not just signed a contract that Jesus is in the center. So in your darkest and hardest moments, you're not just fighting on your own for something to work out that you have Jesus on the right hand of the father who is interceding because you made a covenant not to quit because you made a covenant not to give up. And I want to encourage some of you, you know, with your spouses, because we all go through seasons is that your spouse is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. The enemy comes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6.12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. John 10.10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We have to be aware that we have an enemy that wants to devour our marriages, wants to devour our kids, but we have signed a covenant. We have made a covenant before God and that covenant testifies of grace and the blood of Jesus cries out over your marriages today and the spirit of God is saying some of you do not quit do not allow the lie that I married the wrong person to ever enter your mind because if you think a lie for too long it will become truth and you will be standing in front of your in front of your spouse one day saying I want a divorce I don't want to marry you anymore I don't like you I don't know why I married you in the first place Pardon? The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And you will have hard moments. I don't want to prophesy doom and gloom. You know, who's been married 50 years in this place? 60 years. Oh, my God. 55. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Come on, let's clap for that. That is amazing. (laughs) Young people, young marrieds, when you're having a hard time, go talk to them. Go talk to them. Say, can you lay your hands on me? Can you pray for us? Because we need an anointing. We need grace. We need to hear your stories. We need you to pray for us. This is part of what church community is. So we can look at each other in the eyes and we can say, it's okay to struggle, but you're not going to quit in the name of Jesus. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, love doesn't quit. Amen. 
It doesn't quit. Can I read some of my notes here? Is that marriage isn't a promise to be in love. It's a promise of opportunity to love, you guys, like Jesus did. Happily ever after is not something that just happens. It's a faith-filled destination that we pursue and we cultivate. Amen? And this is a scripture in Matthew 19, 11, 12, but, and this is in the message. But Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Huh? Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others don't get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, Jesus says, do it. If you're capable, do it. Amen. I already talked about, you know, John 10, 10 and that, but you are graced, married in the house. You are graced to be married to your spouse. I am graced to be married to this man. I am graced to be married to him. With the covenant of marriage, and we already talked about this, comes the grace of God. Amen? In your darkest season, not for one moment was Jesus not there, but just like the Bible says, all of God's promises in him are yes and amen. Amen? In your hardest moments, don't give in to the lies. Don't give in to the emotions. See, emotions tell some of the truth, but they don't tell the whole story. Let me say that again. Emotions will tell you some of the truth, but they often, in like 99%, don't tell the whole story. And I want to give you another tidbit of information. When emotions are high, intelligence is low. (laughs) Say that again. (laughs) When emotions are high... Okay, this is more for the younger marrieds, okay? We're hitting 25. We're, getting, we're just starting to get a little bit better at this, okay? But we're getting better at it. Intelligence can be real low. And you think in those moments, well, my spirit's going to rise up. Pastor Jake said love never fails. Yeah, we're going to do this. You're going to walk out of the door and feel like, you know, you're a conquering king and queen, you know? Then you get into the car and something happens, you know? But this is why as married couples, we got to be reading our Bibles, you know? So we're not like, you're the enemy, you're the enemy. So that in those moments, we can separate our spouse from the soul and the spirit. And we're not looking at them as the enemy, but we're looking at them and going to have you hold my hand again. He's a foot taller than me, so, you know, it's always a thing. You know, so that we're able to realize in those moments, you know what? This is the enemy. The enemy's assigning, against us, assigning something against us today, and he doesn't want the power of agreement that we're called to walk in. He doesn't want our children walking in the promises of God. So, you know what? Let's just lay our weapons down. And you know, I was going to say something funny about sex, but maybe not right now. But we're going to lay our... <laughs> you, you can't leave us hanging now. <laughs> <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... Gonna lay our weapons down and we're gonna go have sex. <laughs> Church is dismissed. See you guys later. <laughs> but seriously, you know, and when you come out of the emotion of all that, you're like, what just happened? The enemy happened. The enemy happened. Yeah, I mean, has anybody ever had those fights where you're fighting and you're like, I don't know what's happening right now? Yeah. Anybody had those? Yeah. That's the enemy. Listen, that is the enemy 100%. Yeah. When you get married, you know, Jen's making a lot of good points here. When you get married, there is a grace that comes upon you. Whether, whether you know, one day you'd be like, I, who are you? How did I marry you? I feel like I was tricked. This is not what I signed up for. You're not the person I thought you were. But when you stand before the Lord, listen, you know, the first definition we looked at for marriage was just basically like a government contract. It was a civil contract. We don't believe that marriage is just a civil contract. We believe that marriage is a, is a religious union, a spiritual union between man, woman, and the Lord. And so when you are standing 
standing at the altar. You are there together, and the Lord is present, and you make a covenant one to another. You are making it. I make a covenant with Jen and the Lord himself, and he enters that covenant. He is part of that covenant, and there comes a grace upon you to walk through that marriage in every season you're in. You don't have to worry about, well, this season is too hard and I need to leave you behind because you're not going to make it. There is a grace wherever you're at. Don't look at your spouse and think that they're the enemy is what Jen is saying. The, the enemy, the enemy would love nothing more than for you to get into the blame game and find all the faults with your spouse and be like, well, that's your fault. You can't do this. You don't do this right. It never looks this way. My mom used to do it this way, but you don't do it this way. Don't ever compare your wife to your mom, just so you know. That's a pro tip. If you're still doing that, you need to figure it out real fast. And ladies, don't, don't compare your husband to your, to your dad. Well, my dad knew how to do this. Why don't you know? My dad could fix this. My da- Great. Your dad was Jesus, apparently. Pat can fix anything. <laughs> listen, there is a time, listen, when we first got married, I was a baby. Who's 20 years old in this room? Anybody 20? Josiah, stand up. Josiah, this is our son, Josiah. Oh, wow. He's actually older right now than I was when I got married. Almost a whole, he turns 21 in like three weeks or four weeks or something. And he was almost a full year older right now than I was when we got married. Uh, and my dad was a preacher growing up. And so he wasn't mechanically inclined. He wasn't a carpenter. He didn't build stuff for a living. He spoke the word of Jesus. And so I didn't know how to do a lot of mechanical stuff. Anyways, there was one day I had to change some spark plugs on our car. Obviously, oh, I didn't have a lot of goodness. tools. No, hang on. And to this day... To this day, Jen will still bring up how I tried to change the spark plugs on our car, and I should have just called Pat, and Pat would have came and solved the day, but I made a mess of things. The point is, there is a grace once you marry that person. Don't don't put the blame. The enemy will come to you and say, hey, you know what? You should, your, your spouse is the problem. You're not the problem. They're the problem. They're the one who's wrong. They're the one who doesn't think right. They're the one who doesn't act right. They're the one who can't clean up the kitchen. They're the one who, for some reason, can't figure out how to load the dishwasher. All right? And so you need to leave them behind. You need to point out all their faults and their, and their failures. But listen, that is the enemy talking, and that's not how we are called to be husbands and wives. We are called to walk in love, and there is a grace in every season. Can I add a little note to that? Add a little note to it. It's more important to be loving than to be right. Yes. Say that again. It's more important to be loving to be, than right. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. <laughs> Control and pride are often friends, and if you're fighting to be right, there'll never be room for the righteousness and love of God. Say that again. If you're fighting to be right all the time, there's never going to be room for the righteousness and love of God. And if you find you guys that you're fighting to be right, there's not going to be healing to get to the other side of it. So We're out of time for today. This is, this is going to be part one of... Well, I think... 17 parts. I had actually mentioned this to Josiah, but first service was very different, and I think it would be awesome if you guys, well, if you guys wanted to hear more, there's just a lot of stories, there's a lot of vulnerability in in the first service that we weren't expecting to go into, Um, but 
this service didn't didn't lend itself that way, so maybe we could put both up this week. It's just unusual, but yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> <coughs> I think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about our grocery list right now? Would you like <laughs> in the grocery store? <laughs> We're up here talking about this because, like I started off by saying, marriage is hard work. A lot of times, I was telling somebody this recently, and my dad told me this a couple years ago, probably five years ago. When people get married, before they get married, they generally get pre-marriage counseling, right? Who's had pre-marriage counseling in here? No, we, no, we didn't. We had pre-life counseling. We grew up pastors' kids. But when I was talking, my dad said this to me. He said, you know, the older I get, and the longer I've been married, he said, I realize that people don't really need pre-marriage counseling because there's only really a few things you need to talk about. You need to talk about, like, some money. You need to talk about sex. You need to talk about kids. Make sure you're on the same page for those three things, and you'll be okay. He said, but what they really need is after about a year or so, they need post-marriage counseling. <laughs> and we're all laughing because we know it's true. Because you're taking these two individuals, and see, when people are getting married, they're in this mindset of, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait. We're going to have this amazing magical day, and it's going to be a fairy tale, and we're going to hire a pumpkin that you're going to ride around in with horses, and and then we're going to go have sex, and it's going to be amazing, (laughs) finally. We're going to go on a honeymoon. We're going to go to Porta Vallarta and have sex and it'll be great. Then we're going to come home and set up our house. We get to play house. We get to set up our furniture. And then you get to go to work and I get to go to work. And we get to come home from really, like, how was your day? It was good. How was your day? And we get to be grown-ups and adults. And it seems amazing. And before you get married, that's kind of what your mindset is. And you're not really thinking down the road. But a year or so after you're married, you look back and you're like, who is this monster I'm with? That's what you said about me, not me about this you. This is how we're ending today. This is hypothetical. <laughs> this is hypothetical. <laughs> and you say to yourself, who, who, like, I've never heard somebody make these noises while they sleep. How is that humanly possible? I've never seen anybody make such a mess in such a small amount of time. How can you do that? Or how, how does this person look at this? Or how do they do this? And you say, a year later, you're like, I need some help through this. And we're talking about this because it's hard work taking two individuals and making them one in Christ. But if you leave this morning, I want to make sure you, there's a few things I hope you've heard. One of them by the Spirit of God is that nothing's impossible with God. Wherever you're at in your marriage right now, whatever it looks like, nothing is impossible with Jesus. In our hardest days, we've been married for 25 years, almost 26 years. And I want to tell you, some of them have been fantastic. Some of them I wish we could forget forever. But in those hardest days, the thing that we always had going for us was both of us individually, our foundations were in Jesus. Jesus was our rock. Jesus was our foundation. And we ran to him, and we were able at the end of the day to come back and say, I went and saw the Lord, and the Lord corrected my heart, or the Lord showed me this, or led me to this. And so I hope you are hearing that even though marriage is hard, it's not impossible. There is hope. There is grace on your life. 
like Jen was saying, there is grace on your life in the covenant that you have entered into to be um, lights and to be examples in the world for who God has called us to be as married couples. They need to hear you say that. We need to be on the same page for that, believing God. You know, um, I shared a story in the first service, but because we're going to post both, I won't. Um, but I'd say to the guys, is guys, you got to be men of the word. Yeah. Say that again. Guys, you got to be men of the word. Because as you're a man of the word of God, as you are leading your home, as you're leading your wife, as you're leading not just in the way of Jesus, I believe in you, but my life also belongs to you, that your wife is going to feel safe in that space. Don't just throw around scriptures, well, you're supposed to submit to me. You're supposed to submit to me. It's not going to work out too well for you. (laughs) Because the first thing that that Jesus said was that your husbands, you're supposed to love your, the Bible says that husbands, you're supposed to love your wives as Christ loves the church. And I will tell you in our hardest moments, Jake, in some of my hardest moments, and we were vulnerable in the first service, so if you're like, I want to hear a good story, go listen to that. In, in, in the hardest seasons of our life, it was Jake's love for me that brought me, that helped bring me back to life and brought healing to my life, and I trusted him because I could see that my husband was for real, and he was laying his life down for me as Christ loved the church. It's a place of trust, and it's a place of great intimacy that we all long and were created for. Amen. Gentlemen, specifically gentlemen, I want to call you up right now higher into the things of God. We're talking about marriages, and I want to talk to the men right now for just a second. You need to lead your home. You need to lead the way. You need to find yourself in the word of God. You need to have your foundation in here. No no matter who you marry, no matter how amazing they are, they are not your foundation. They are not your source of life. Jesus is, the Lord is, and for you to be the head of the home and for you to have that strong foundation so that you're at a place where, where your wife feels protected and safe, this needs to be your foundation. You've got to read this book. You've got to open it up. You've got to find life and healing and wholeness in here. There is no, yes, you can go see doctors and counselors and they help and they're great. That's awesome. But this is your foundation for everything. Men, read the Bible. Read what the Spirit of God has to say to you about being husbands, about being fathers, about being men so that you can take your place, so that you can lead your home, so that when things are falling apart, your wives and your kids can rely on you to stay steady and to stay strong. Amen? Stand up together. Let's have the worship team come back up. And let's pray again, Jen. And here's what I want to do. If you're with your spouse, I want you just to touch them somehow, hold their hand, put your arm around them. Touch is my love language, and it's not just because I'm a dude. Touch really is my love language. And so it's always, for me, I always feel the most loved when I'm just touching Jen. Like, this is, like, how I touch. I grew up in a very touchy home. We wrestled all the time. We, we fought. We played. So this, to me, is love. Touching is love. And so grab onto your spouse somehow. If you don't have a spouse, if you're not married, I want you to put your hand on your heart. Raise your hand, surrender. 
hold your arms, do whatever you want to do. We're going to pray together because I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to restore some anointing and restore some grace for this season of where you're at. And so, Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. First and foremost, God, we're praying for marriages. God, you know how hard it can be. You know the journey that that we have to walk and how hard it is taking two people and uniting them into one. And so, God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you pour out fresh anointings on our marriages, that you give us fresh eyes to see our spouses. God, that we begin to see them through your eyes, that we don't see them through our own filters and our own hurts and our own wounds in our own frustrations. But Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus right now that you are giving us your eyes and your thoughts toward our spouses. That when we look at them, Jesus, we're not looking at them through the eyes of disdain or frustration or pain or wounds or hurts, but we're looking at them through your eyes. And as we look at them through those eyes, we are seeing them with your love and your compassion for them. And God, I ask for the grace and the anointing to walk that out together. Father, this is a season where marriages need to be restored and revived and refreshed so that we can go into the world and as people around us may be getting divorces, that they can look at us in the hardships of life and say, what is different about you? We thank you for anointing, for grace, for your spirit to fall on us. Father, I thank you for people in this room that are not married right now, but want to be married or one day will be married, Jesus. I thank you that you are teaching them to love others the way that you taught us to love. That we're seeing people the way that you see it, that you see them, that you're preparing us to be your lights and your vessels in a dark and dying world that is lost and lonely and doesn't even understand what love truly is. But God, you are teaching, you are molding, and you are shaping us deeper and more into your image. Father, I thank you that these are days of great grace, great grace and anointing to walk out who you've called us to be. You go ahead and pray now, babe. Thank you, covered. Thank you, about covered it. Let's just lift our hands to Jesus. And, uh, you know, a marriage filled with worship, as I'm, as I'm a worshiper, so that presence of Jesus and that anointing will get into my marriage. As Jake is a worshiper of God, so that presence and anointing will flow into my life, into the kid's life. And uh, Lord, I thank you Lord, that we're surrendered in this process of becoming more like you. Lord, I thank you for days of great grace for days of mercy, for days of hope, for days of peace, for days of love. But Lord, I declare enjoyment into marriages in the name of Jesus, Lord, that marriage wouldn't just feel like a a thing to be endured, Lord Jesus, but we would know that it was something designed by you to be enjoyed, to be enjoyed. And I declare days of enjoyment into your marriage, into your relationship, into your homes, even into your parenting with your children in the name of Jesus, that you will have a home filled with the peace of God and that the peace of God would rule and reign in and through your home in the name of Jesus that your home would be filled with joy, unspeakable joy, full of glory, that your joy, that your home would be a house of hope, that your home would be a house of healing through the power of, of, of your surrender to Jesus Christ.
Christ. God, I thank you that you are putting Holy Spirit backbone inside of us as spouses, Lord Jesus, that even through the struggle, that even through the trials, Lord Jesus, that we would not quit, that we would not lose heart, that we would not grow weary in well-doing, Lord Jesus, knowing that in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I just sense that some of you have been in a hard season. And what you need to recognize is that when you're in a hard season, it's because the enemy doesn't want you to get to the victory on the other side. So the Spirit of God is saying, look to me, look to me, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. As you're going through that season, the joy that's set before you because on this side, you might have had a great battle on this side, but the victory on the other side is going to be so much greater, says the Spirit of God. So don't give up, don't grow weary in well-doing, and don't quit. I pray that you would have Holy Spirit eyes to see one another as Jesus sees you and sees each other in that marriage. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for grace coming in, Lord, and that we would be... um, Lord, that we'd be able to separate our spouses, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to recognize what was them and what was the enemy, Lord Jesus, that we would be quick to lay our weapons down, Lord Jesus, and the only weapon that we will carry is the weapon of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just worship for a minute. Let's take a second. Let's all sing this together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.